thank you for being here tonight on this rainy, beautiful Wednesday night. Amen. I tell you, I love this uh, cooler weather in August. I, I don't know how long it's going to last, but I tell you, it's my kind of weather. I guarantee you right now. I appreciate you being here. I told you that uh, uh, Sunday, uh, if you'd get that app, uh, you could keep up with the notes. And on the app, if you look at our app at the bottom of it, it says sermon notes down there. And you can click on that and you can follow along with the sermon notes of tonight. Now, if you don't have a, a smartphone or a dumb phone or whatever you want to call it there, uh, you can, uh, if you have internet, you can go to that. It's www. Uh, whbcsermonnotes.blogspot.com and that'll throw you right in there to it and you can get it there so uh, you can go home tonight and say well I, I really wanted to know a little bit more uh, and, and you can look up those notes and go through them and scriptures and all of that we're in one verse uh, that we've been going through the prophets during the summer and, and I've been trying to kind of do Wednesday night and Sunday the same prophet. And, and my soul, you could do <laughs> any number of sermons off any of these prophets we've had. But bless God, I want to try to get a little bit more positive. We've, we've had some negative prophets and some, some tough things to swallow. But tonight in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, just one verse uh, tonight. And then we'll pick up and, and, and do a couple of more Sunday morning but it's found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Isaiah 9, 6. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Man, that's a whole sermon in a nutshell right there. Some years ago, many of you will remember, uh, unless you're just so old, you was like some of the old people I was around then, they didn't believe that we really landed anybody on the moon. That was just theatrical and uh, all. But, but you can remember when America landed the first guy on the moon. And our president of the United States said this, and I'm quoting. He said, the planting of human feet upon the moon is the greatest event in human history. Now, I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful to our president, but he was wrong. He was, he was totally wrong. The greatest event in human history was not planting human feet on the moon, but when God came to earth and, and deity, his feet touched this earth. I think that's the greatest moment in all of history. Uh, unto us a child is born. The child being born speaks of his virgin birth. The son being given speaks of his, of his eternality. Uh, who has been the Son of God with the Father throughout the ages. And he said, the government shall be upon his shoulder, etc. That was written 700 years before the first Christmas ever came about. Isaiah literally wrote these words about the coming of the Prince of Peace, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, folks, the bottom line, I know we go through a lot of this stuff today, and boy, you hear on all sides of the the, the uh, aisle, you hear all kinds of things about our president's not doing this, our Congress not doing this, and people not doing this, and people not doing that. I want to tell you, the educated man is ignorant, the strong man is weak, and the wealthy man is poor if they don't understand the meaning of Christmas. 
If they don't understand this meaning right here of Isaiah chapter, let me. What what good does it do to put a man on the earth, uh, a man on the moon, uh, if we can't get God in our hearts? You tell me, what good is it to know astronomy and know how the heavens go and not know Jesus, the bright and morning star, how to go to heaven? I was watching Al Roker this morning. I I don't like that. Is my wife in here? She went to the doctor today. She don't need to be walking. But anyway, uh, she likes that show. I wouldn't give you a dime for it. I watch Fox News, but she wants uh, that uh, uh, NBC, Al Roker. And he was touring some guys down at the Grand Canyon, guys that had never been there before. Some of y'all saw that. Uh, And uh, he was saying as he was walking, bebopping along, millions and millions of years it took to prepare this. And I thought, you just as dumb in television as you are on person. I'm going to tell you right now, God did it <laughs> just like that. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people say, well, I don't know if that was really one day, if it was really one day, or if a day's like a thousand years. I don't know. I I don't know. How long did he spend in the grave? Everybody kind of understands that's three days. You know, what, 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 what is the problem with the, with the day and the time? I mean, it's evident. What good is it to know botany and the study of flowers and then not know the sweetest rose of Sharon that there is on the face of the earth? What good is it to know history and know the events of history and not know the, the historical story of Jesus? Because it's in him that we live and we have being. Uh, what good is it to know geology and all of the formations of the rocks and not know the rock of ages? I'm telling you, it, the greatest event was not man come to going to the moon, but it was God coming to the earth. That's the greatest event that we have in all of history. Now, let me give you just some, several things here. First of all, notice with me that Jesus has a supernatural nature. He's not just another child. He's supernatural. Uh, you, you can't understand Christmas, you can't understand life, period, until you understand that he is supernatural. Verse 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This child, Isaiah seven fourteen tells us that he was born of a virgin. Wow, that blows folks' mind. He's, this child is the very son of God. The first Christmas, God sent a package to this earth, and it was deity wrapped up in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. They're supernatural. God and Jesus are the same. Jesus is God in the flesh. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is called the word. You say, well, what is a word? A word is an invisible thought. You, you can't hear my thoughts, but you hear my words. And so you know what my thoughts are because you hear my words. You can't see my thoughts. My thoughts are invisible. But my words make my thoughts visibly known to you. Now, he's the very word of God. He is making deity known to mankind through Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We, we left Isaiah 9, 6. John's writing this now. He's the one who had walked and talked with Jesus, and he'd seen all manner of situations. Now Jesus has gone back to heaven, ascended up, and the apostles now an old, aged man. In these reflections, these are the reflections of, of John 1, uh, of a man that has matured, an apostle John, who was uh, uh, ingrained 
Jew would have been ingrained resistance to any kind of idolatry. He said of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's fully God. He's fully God. Everything God is, Jesus is. Everything God has, Jesus has. Everything God does, Jesus does. He's God. Now, he's not part God and part man. He's all God and all man. You say, well, explain that to me. I don't, I don't have time. You don't have time to listen. <laughs> There's some things we just simply cannot explain. But he is, uh, he, he is all God and he's all man. Now, if somebody comes to your door and knocks on your door and they don't believe Jesus is God, what we call those folk are false witnesses. They're false witnesses. And because if they don't believe Jesus is God, Hebrews 1.8 says, Unto the Son, he saith, the Son of God, he said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness and the scepter of thy kingdom. Our, our Heavenly Father said of the Son here that your throne is forever and ever, and you, my Son, are God. He, he's not only fully God, He's forever God. There'll never be a start or never be an ending of Him. When, have you ever thought when Jesus was born, He was older than His mother? <laughs> I mean, this, this is kind of can, can go any way you want it to go here. So Jesus didn't begin in a manger. He came to this earth and he was manifested in a manger. That little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, the great eternal creator, self-existing, word-made flesh. He, he's the one who made everything. He made everything. That little baby in that straw there with those little small feet, he's the one that slung the planets into existence. He, he, he is God. Learning to walk, holding on to his mother's hand, playing in the shavings there in Joseph's carpenter shop, the very God himself in deity. I love 1 Timothy 3.16. It says, And great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Now, uh, Paul said, I don't understand it. Paul said, I don't understand it. Great is the mystery of God, Paul said, that God stepped out on this earth, came up, uh, from heaven and, and came into a virgin's womb, he said, I, I don't understand it. There are people who sneer at that, and they'll say, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Well, if you have problems with a virgin birth, let me tell you where your real problem is. It's going to be in your uh, just existence with the Lord God to start with. Uh, you're going to have problems with your character. If you've got problems with a virgin birth, uh, there, there are problems all the way. You've got difficulty with the Word of God. You've got difficulty with the character of the Word of God. Uh, You've you got difficulty with the character of Mary, if you don't believe that. Uh, because Mary gave, uh, had a child out of wedlock, and then, then if, if she's not the virgin woman, then she was impure. And, and let me tell you something. Uh, if you've got a problem with a virgin birth, you've got a problem with the character of God. In fact, let me just tell you this. If you've got a problem with a virgin birth, you're going to go to hell. Because Jesus would not be the sacrifice needed to atone for your sin and my sin. So if that's not part of the virgin birth, Brother Allen, thank you. He sits here. I never see him until I just happen to look. Thank you, Allen. I, I, I keep missing him. The, the virgin birth is so important. It's the very crux of the Christianity, of the Christian lifestyle. Because if 
If he was not born of a virgin, then his sacrifice is not good enough for me and you. And so we're, we're all doomed. Man, we don't have a chance. <laughs> well, he's supernatural. Second thing I want you to see here, though, he, he's a king. His, he's sovereign. He's nobility. Uh, the scripture says that the government shall be upon his shoulder. Verse 7, it's kind of fleshed out. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with just judgment and, and from hence forever. Now, how's that going to happen? Well, the zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to perform it. <laughs> that little baby that was born a king is a king. Now, let, let me just share this with you. I know you know this. I know I'm preaching to the choir. But you don't. You, don't, you didn't elect him. You didn't elect him. You didn't have no choice in it. You didn't have no choice in it. And let me tell you, I, I, and I know what people mean. I know that. But li listen, when somebody comes up and they say, well, have you really made Jesus Lord? That, hey, that's way above your pay grade. You're too late on that. God made him Lord years ago. He said he is Lord. Now you can subscribe to the fact that he is Lord and you can humble yourself and submit yourself to the fact that he is Lord but don't come up in here telling me that you're going to make him Lord you can't make him squat amen God's already made him Lord he's king of kings and lord of lords and we either submit to that and say he is Lord or else we turn and go the opposite direction but I want to tell you, you better bow your knee and say, Lord, you're the king. The government's going to be on your shoulder. Therefore, I yield my heart to you. I give myself to you. You're supernatural. You're the king of kings. But then the real good part is this, his saving name. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now watch this. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, what is it in his name? First of all, there's wonder in his name. And, and some of the commentators, and I'll kind of vary from this as I preach Sunday morning a little bit, it could be that the word wonderful here could be an adjective. Uh, it may not be, uh, I mean, you call it whatever you want to. I really don't care. It doesn't make any difference. But you can say that his name was not wonderful. The wonderful is an adjective. Some of the commentaries say that, meaning he's a wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful mighty God. He's a wonderful everlasting father. He's a wonderful prince of peace. That all works too. The fact is, he's wonderful. He's wonderful. There's wonder in the name of Jesus. Right, let me ask you something. Don't, don't answer it out loud. Just, don't just be quick to answer it. But do you, do you still stand in awe of God? We had a lady this morning over at Arabella uh, that gave a testimony at the end of the uh, service over there. And I want to tell you, you could stand, you, could, you knew she was in awe of what God had done. I mean, or have you just grown so complacent and so calloused and so oblivious to the fact that he is king of kings and he is a wonderful God and all of those things are all true and ah, we just praise the Lord. But, but you, you're not in awe of him. I mean, are you really in awe of him? The wonder, there's a song, we don't sing very much because not many people know it, but it's a beautiful song. The wonder of it all, the wonder of it all, just to think 
that God would love me. Oh, the wonder of it all. Wow. Are you in awe of the fact that knowing you, knowing what you have lived in life and what you've done in life, that the King of kings and Lord of lords still loves you and has redeemed you? Wow! That's all, I mean, as Fred Lowry said, let me say that backwards. Wow! <laughs> I mean, this is just good stuff. Don't grow callous. Don't grow cold. Don't grow uh, complacent. He's wonderful in his life. He was wonderful in his birth. He was wonderful in his teaching. The Bible says no man taught like this man. Man, he was just wonderful. He was wonderful in his miracles. He was wonderful in his death. He was wonderful in his resurrection. And by the way, he'll be wonderful in his second coming too when that day gets here. He is wonderful. I heard about a man riding a train one time he just kept looking out the window saying, wow, wonderful. Wow. One oh, that's wonderful. Wow, that's wonderful. The guy next to him got aggravated. And he said, hey, man, what do, you, what do you think everything's so wonderful for? All I hear is wonderful, 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 wonderful. He said, well, he said, I've been blind all my life. And I had surgery this last week. And for the first time, I can see. And he said, it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. See, I wonder sometimes if maybe we've forgotten what it's like to be blind. Have we forgotten what it's like to be separated from God? <laughs> he's wonderful. He, if, if he's not wonderful to you, you need something done to you. Uh, there's a wonder in his name. There's wisdom in his name. His, his name is counselor. Uh, do, you, do you ever need somebody to counsel with you? And I want to tell you something. I learned a long time ago, preachers don't have a whole lot of options on counseling because there are too many people just waiting to gossip about them. You know, you think somebody really loves you and they really don't love you. They just want to know what's going on so they can go tell somebody else. Huh? Yeah, you know how that is. We're in Baptist here. We're all grown. That's how that is. But I want to tell you, you can come to him as your counselor. And he'll never betray you. He'll never call somebody and say, you know what that guy did? Can you believe he did that? Man, how we need some counselors sometimes to solve some problems. The Lord is the counselor. <laughs> uh, it, there's wisdom in his name. Uh, whatever problem you're going through, Every answer may seem to be wrong, but I want to tell you, you come to God, there's wisdom in the name of God, in the name of Jesus. There's also wealth in that name. He, he's the mighty God. That means everything belongs to him. He made it all. People say, what's this world coming to? I tell you what it's coming to. It's coming to Jesus. He's the one came, uh, the world came from him. The world is right now because of him. And it's going to all come back to him again. He's going to destroy this heavens and earth. And he's going to create a new heavens and earth. It's all going to be him. It's all Jesus. He's the mighty God. Billions of sons. I, I was reading, I'm not, science and math were not my forte. I mean, I, I did good. I love multiplication, addition, subtraction. But you get into all them fractions and all that mess and all these people had this crazy stuff, you know, pi r square, cornbread r round. Let me tell you, where I come from, pi is round, amen? And the, the more round it is, the better it is there. 
But, but uh, uh, I was reading, and, and I, just, I wrote it down because I, I it just blew my mind. In one drop of water, if you were to take the molecules in one drop of water, and you turn those molecules that's in that one drop into a grain of sand, you'd have enough material to build a bridge a half mile wide, two feet thick, from New York to San Francisco in one drop of water. And you tell me we ain't got a mighty God? He's the one that developed all this stuff and put all of this stuff together. He's the mighty God. And then everlasting Father. Literally in the Hebrew, that means He's the Father forever. Forever. Many of us have lost our earthly fathers. There's many times... Uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't ask my father for a whole lot of advice because I knew he was, uh, to the, to, he'd just tell you to the point and I didn't want to hear it, so I just didn't ask him. But there have been many times after he died, I wish to goodness I could have him just sit down and say, hey, what about this? Our father is everlasting. He's forever and forever. And he is there for us. Then there's worship in the name of Jesus. Jesus is to be worshipped. Uh, uh, now, if Jesus is not God, we have no business worshipping him. But he is God. So we worship Jesus. That's what the Jehovah Witnesses, you come and you try to be nice to them. I admire their zeal for going house to house. And, but, but I always ask them, do you worship Jesus? And they say, oh, we, we revere Jesus. We reverence Jesus. Well, that's not what I ask. I ask, do you worship Jesus? Now, uh, if, if you believe, and they'll say they believe he's the Son of God, I say, well, then do you worship him? No. Well, well, well. See, they can't answer no because they're in a dilemma. If they say, no, we don't worship Jesus, but I'll say, well, it's in the Bible, and show them the example of the wise men who came to the children and said they laid down their gifts and they worshiped him. And uh, over and over in the Bible, he's worshipped. He's worshipped over and over again. So if you say we don't worship Jesus, then you, you can't be biblical because Jesus is who we worship. Uh, but if they do that, then they have to confess that Jesus is God. And they can't do that in their, in their denomination either. Only God is to be worshipped. I want to tell you, folks, the bottom line is if Jesus is not God... It's the biggest form of idolatry there is. But he is God. The apostle John in Revelation saw a mighty angel. He was overwhelmed. You remember it? And he fell down to worship the angel. said, uh-uh, get up. Don't worship me. No, no, I'm not the one you're to be worshiping. And what the angel is saying, if you worship me, you're going to be in trouble for idolatry. So... Jesus is to receive worship. And then, let me tell you, there's welfare in the name of Jesus. You know what most of our hearts, I'd say all of our hearts really, are longing for is peace. Romans 5, 1 says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And the Bible then says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. You see, God, through Jesus, came to give me peace. I, I can have it no, ever, no other way. Uh, anybody ever left you anything in a will? 
Well, the Lord left you something in a wheel. Let me tell you what he left you. He said, my peace I leave unto you. I give it unto you. I leave it with you. My peace I give unto you. And Jesus is going back to the heavens, and he's uh, uh, going to come back again. He's been buried. Joseph of Arimathea there gave him a borrowed tomb there. And, and uh, Jesus gave his mother to the apostle John, said, take care of her. He yielded his spirit up to God, the Father. But to us, he gave peace. <laughs> My peace I give unto you. Now, if you don't have peace, it's because you don't understand what you have in the name of Jesus. I was talking to a guy uh, here a couple of months ago. And, and uh, uh, we were out in front of his house there. And I just asked him, I said, what about your relationship with the Lord? And he said, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. He said, you see this house here is paid for. This property is paid for. He said, I got a wife in there and she loves me. And I said, oh, that, that's great. That's great. But I said, let me ask you something. Do you have peace? You have peace. And he said, well, I've got everything I need. I said, that's not what I asked you. I asked you if you had peace. And his bottom chin began to quiver. And he said, how do you know I don't have peace? I said, because you'll never find peace outside of Jesus. There's, there's no way to have peace without Jesus. I mean, if Jesus is not there, you're not going to have peace. I mean, it's almost like you can't have pot-roll peace unless you got cornbread. They just they go hand in hand together. You got to have, and a red onion too, by the way. Uh, but anyhow, purple onion. You, you, you cannot have peace. And, and, and I said, look, I'm not telling you this lightly. And the guy has never come, and, and, uh, uh, and he, he's never been saved. I still pray for him. And, but I want to tell you, folks, you've got to have Jesus in order to have peace in your life. I read a story about a lady, and... Uh, uh, she was dying, and they said, do you know that you're dying? And she said, yeah, I know I'm dying. She said, have you made peace with God? And she said, nope. Well, perhaps you don't understand what I asked, but said, do you know you're dying? She said, yeah, I know I'm dying. Well, then have you made peace with God? And she said, no. She said, I'm resting in the peace that Jesus made on the cross. Now, folks, that's what the bottom line is right there. The peace that Jesus made on the cross is the peace that we can rest in. He made peace not between himself and us. He made peace. When Jesus died on the cross, he made peace between a holy God and a sinful man. So because of his connection there and, and joining together, then I can enjoy the peace because Jesus is the connector to give me that full peace. What a wonderful, wonderful name is Jesus. Literally means Savior. Jehovah saves. That's why the angels said, I shall call his name Jesus. Uh, he's a, he'll save his people from their sins. But, uh, boy, I got to thinking about an illustration how I could close this thing out. <laughs> Many years ago, I did a, we, we did a, took a group to Uvalde, Texas do a vacation Bible school at a mission church there. And it was a wild week. It was a wild week. Uh, we had a 72-passenger bus, and there were probably 115, 120 kids on that thing. And, the, you know, these little kids, they can speak English, but they act like they can't. 
And uh, we didn't have any problem picking them up. We had, I remember the first day I sent them home, I said, look, load them on that bus. We had some adults on there. In about 45 minutes, that bus came circling back in the church. Still had every kid on it. He said, nobody get off the bus. They say, over here, over here. I turn over there and stop, and nobody gets off the bus. And so the pastor sent some of his people on there to get them off the bus. And we had a great week. It was winding down, and uh, the young people wanted to go to swim in the Frio River. And it was Friday night, and it was going to be commencement night. And I said, look, you guys take one of the vans, those who want to go, and go on down the river bridge there. And, and uh, it's about probably 15 miles out of town, something like that. And I said, swim a couple of hours and then be back. You got plenty of time for Bible school commencement and all that. Well, uh, they didn't show back up when they were supposed to. And 30 minutes later, they still hadn't showed up. And 30 minutes later, they still hadn't showed up. So I went looking for them. And what they had done is they were all, <laughs> they were all out there. They had, the youth director had just come off the road. I mean, it's solid rock. I wouldn't have known any different either. And they just went on down on the riverbed with that van. And uh, they all swam a couple of hours. It had the time of their life on the Frio River. They got ready to come back, though, and that thing wouldn't move. It was stuck. And the more they tried to move it, the, the deeper it got into the rocks. And so I got out there, and I said, look, let's call. Uh, and I called a couple of guys, and they came out. Oh, we're not. Oh, no, no. It cost us about $300. And that had been a long, long time ago. We had to get a, a wrecker out of San Antonio to come, uh, an 18-wheeler wrecker that had a long uh, winch on it to pull that thing out. Now, I didn't know that, but I want to tell you, the farther, the harder they tried to get that van out, we tried to get it out, the deeper that thing got. And I want to tell you, that's where we are as people tonight. We got a lot of people trying to dig themselves either out of a rock hole or a mud hole, most of them out of a mud hole. East Texas, we can understand mud. I can understand don't pull in a mud hole, but I'd have never dreamed you couldn't pull into, the, into solid rocks, you know, but you can't. But I want to tell you, we'll kill ourselves trying to get ourselves out of that mess. There's only one way to get out of that mess, and that's to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I can't get out of this mess. It's over my head. You've got to get me out of here yourself. Now, there's a lot of people say, just like Dr. Queen said, that, you know, we got people today in the Baptist church saying, oh, you can't say the sinner's prayer. That don't mean anything. You can't do this. God's already chosen all that stuff. Well, I find it ironic in Romans 10 that you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. And I think that's the only way we're going to get out of the messes that we're in right now. Father, thank you tonight for letting us come and study your word. Thank you for each of these that are here. Thank you for a great week you've given us and how you've blessed us. And I pray tonight, Lord, those that have been mentioned on the prayer list that's out here, God, you would meet their needs. And I know there's some more that are not on there. I think about Ms. Mary Walton sick tonight. I pray you'd be with her and, and especially with Cecile. God, you'd just give them answers and, Lord, different ones that, are so dear to us. And I pray that, Lord, you'll meet their needs and encourage them and strengthen them. Give us a great day this Lord's day. Lord, may we just stop and consider between now and Sunday about how wonderful you really are. Man, the awe of Jesus.
to think that a king would leave heaven and all that, that eternity has there in the streets of heaven to come and be born in a manger, to die on a cross for somebody like us. We praise your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me also, I think I put on the prayer list, but Miss Sarah Hendrickson uh, over at uh, Eden Place. I just saw her a few moments ago, and she had surgery yesterday. She sat right up here on the third row Sunday morning. I think, what is she, 80, 85 or something like that. But they left church and went to Chicken Express and got dinner, and, and then they were going over to another place and got hit by a car and... and uh, uh, she had ribs broken. Usually they don't do anything, but they had to do surgery because hers were poking at her lung and, and through her side. So they've done all that, corrected all that, and, and uh, you just continue to pray for her, okay? She's doing better, doing better. All right? Thank you all. Yes, sir.